0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. But the title today is Missing Out on Jesus Christ Power. And I want to start talking about losing our power. This has been a long, cold winter, right? Right? <clears throat> But what's made it even worse than the weather is losing our power so often. And it's america we did not lose it more with all the trees laying on wires and all, and all that. The snowstorms and the trees down. And, and and look how many have lost. I don't even want to see it. All of us have lost it. Lost electricity. Lost heat. Lost water, which might even be the worst thing. L- losing water. A lot of you came over to our house to, for showers. We got to, you know, it's like that. New Testament Church, right? Uh, you, know, you know, people come over, putting their food in our freezers and and using the showers and and getting some heat because we only lose ours for a short time typically. Also, some people had surge problem. Uh, I know Bob and Katie had the surge, and, and and Gunner and Chris had the brownout. You know, where the, everything gets fried. You know, they're cooking their wires and fuses, and electronics getting cooked, and and so many people experience this this craziness. Now, losing our electrical electrical power is bad. I mean, it, and especially after a couple of days, it gets old, and after a week or two, it gets real old, right? But that's nothing compared to missing out on Jesus Christ's power. And we're, we've been looking at Jesus Christ's amazing power as we looked at Mark 4 and 5, his power over nature, his power over the supernatural, his power over sickness, his power over death. If you missed the last series of this jesus power get to see these they're all in the back they're all free there but what's really amazing here that we're going to see today is the response of his hometown jesus Christ's hometown how they responded to his power and we're going to see that even jesus is amazed but not in a good way let's pray father we thank you for the worship and now we pray that as we go to the word your spirit would speak through your word to our hearts Whatever we're here for today, whatever your purpose is in our life, that your spirit would move. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Mark 6. Mark 6, we'll start with verse 1. We're going to do the first, we're going to do this first six verses here. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given to him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do many uh, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them and he was amazed at their lack of faith this this passage packs a punch wait till we get into this this is a wild passage for us first of all verse verse 1 jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples where is his hometown Nazareth, right? Nazareth. That's his hometown. It's not the first time he's come to his hometown to minister. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, which is a, a year earlier, a year, one year before in Luke 4, he was there. If you put all the gospels together, you can figure out the timeline. And he was there, and his hometown was so impressed the first time he came and spoke in the synagogue that they tried to throw him off a cliff. That's how impressed they were with Jesus. It's, I mean, think about that. It's amazing he came back again and gave them a second chance. Isn't it? He, he comes back, gives them a second chance, and this time they don't get mad at him. Something even worse, at least if you're mad, something is stirred inside of you. This time, they don't get mad, they just dismiss him. They just reject him. There's a spiritual apathy here, which is even worse. And the result is that they did not put their trust, their faith in Jesus Christ, and they jumped, up a, jumped off a spiritual cliff themselves this second time around. Let's look at verses two and three and how Jesus respond, How they respond. Verse two: When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him that even he, that even he sorry he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Now, they asked Jesus to teach in the synagogue. Remember we talked about the synagogue? There's at least ten families in in a town. They would start a synagogue, whether it was Israel or anywhere in the world, synagogues. And they were led by lay people, and often they would read the scripture and teach the lay people. But if there was a traveling rabbi, a teacher, they would be asked, invited to speak. And that's what happened with Jesus here. And they are amazed. They're amazed by Jesus' wisdom and teaching, and also by his miracles. But we'll see here that being impressed with Jesus Christ is not enough. Being amazed by Jesus is not enough. We must put our faith in him and live by that faith in him. That's the key. They were amazed, but it had no impact on them. It's kind of like, um, I was thinking, Kim took the kids this week to see the Peking Acrobats. You know, these acrobats from China, and they were doing all these crazy things. And the kids all came home, and everyone kept telling me, this is what they did, and this is what they did. They had them all stacked up high in a chair, a little kid sitting up high in a chair. or they had All the acrobats were on one bicycle with these poles, and they were all hanging off the poles and riding this bike around. And they were going on and on and on. And I said, that sounds really cool. You, you, know, you, should, you should do that. Why, why don't you join one of these? Oh, no. Everyone, oh, no, 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 no. I would never do it. Wouldn't you like to be up on that chair? No, they were so impressed with it. But, but they didn't want to get up on the chair. They were so impressed with this whole bike ride, but they didn't want to be part of it. And that's the difference between faith and amazement. The kids were all impressed and amazed by it. But what would it take to put their faith? To get up on top of that chair way up high. To hang on to the pole while the guy's riding with 15 people on a bicycle. Way up high. That's faith, and that's a picture. We can be amazed with Jesus, but it's not till we put our faith in Him, our trust in Him. It's not till we climb up and get in that chair and, and whatever happens, happens. When trust trusting you, Jesus. We put our trust in Him. That's the key. Instead of putting their faith in Him, it says they took offense at Him. They took offense at Him because here He is, they all, Jesus. It's like Clark Kent coming home, right? Got the glasses, but if you saw the last superman movie he whenever he showed his power in some way everybody, wait what is going on here? Who is this guy? what's he do? What does he think he's doing they They were like uh, scared of him and and put off by him and offended by him, and that's a picture of what has happened here is he's showing his power and it's freaking people out and and they say, isn't this Mary's son? Well, that's true, but you know that's a big insult because in this culture, you always referred to somebody as the father's son. As the father's son. In fact, in Luke 4, when they first came, they referred to him as as the son of Joseph. That's who he legally was, the son of Joseph. But it's a polite way of calling him a very nasty word that starts with a B. I can't even say it. He, they're insulting Jesus. In fact, they found Roman graffiti from this time in, in, in Jerusalem and in different parts of Palestine. The Roman graffiti calls him the B word. You know, this, this Jesus guy. And they, and they have pictures of Jesus on a cross with a donkey's head. And they call him the B word in, in Roman graffiti. That's, that was like the word on the street. That was the rumor that was out there. That he's not Joseph's son. And, even, and it's true. He wasn't Joseph's son. He was his legal son, but he wasn't his actual son. And Joseph, I'm sure, testified to it. He probably told everybody, yeah, he's not my son. He's God's son. Yeah, sure. We know what really happened, Joseph, right? So it's an insult. They insult him here. And then they say, we know his brothers and sisters. Really, they're his half-siblings, right? They're Mary's children, which contradicts Mariology. You know, if some, many of you have grown up under that Mariology teaching that Mary was a virgin and never had you know, the sexual union and no sin and blah, 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 which is none of it's in the Bible. But the real danger of Mariology is this. This is the danger. That she's seen as a co-mediator with Jesus. And there are even, there's even a very big movement in this with the Mariology to make her co-redeemer, co-redemptor. Big, big movement. And it might happen one of these day, one of these days. But the problem with that is that it denies the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. He is the one mediator between God and man. It denies the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. It's really, re, it's really denying Jesus' power. That's what it's doing. So anyway, they know his Mary, son and brothers and sisters. Insult, insult, insult. <clears throat> and then they all, he also asked, even earlier, said, isn't, he, isn't this the carpenter? The carpenter? There's a book out by Josh McDowell called More Than a Carpenter. You ever read it? Anybody read more than a carpenter? It really is from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis came up with the idea originally, and, and Josh McDowell took it to a, a different, made it even more readable for the American culture. But we have it on our shelf back there and get it, hand it out like candy. we got hundreds of these things we've got, them, we give them out all the time. But, but the premise here is that, Josh McDowell writes this, is that many are okay with Jesus the carpenter. They're okay with Jesus the carpenter. In our society, Jesus the carpenter, no problem. He's a good teacher. He's a good man. He's a good carpenter. He's, uh, he can even do miracles. They don't even have a problem with Jesus the miracle guy. But just don't say that he's the son of God. Or even more specifically, don't say he's the only son of God. The only way to God. Don't say that. Or that's when things turn. That's when people get upset like i've, I've done a, was reading skipped an article from this this buddhist monk who was in our area talking about it and he was saying oh yes we we accept jesus too he's trying to build common bridges with us and oh yes we accept jesus we know he was a wonderful person and he was a good teacher and he did miracles and he had the karma power and and he had blah 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 and, and but this this peaceful monk who's walking across the country preaching peace with his group of monks. And he says, but if anybody says that that's the only way to God, then that's an evil person. And this guy like, like morphed into this, you know, crazy person, you know, this mad monk, you know, and, and he's like, then I hate, you know, he basically said, if anybody says that, I, I hate that thought. You dare not say that. And he turned vicious. He's not just a carpenter. That's what people are okay with, just a carpenter. A good carpenter. But that, just that. You see, here's the issue, and this is what is in the book. And if you've never heard the book, get it. Give it out, read it. Jesus doesn't give us the option of saying he's just a carpenter. That he's just a good guy. That he's just a good teacher. He doesn't give us that option because he claimed to be the son of God. He claimed to be the one and only son of God. So you can't say he's a good guy and not say he's the only son of God. You can't say it. Why? Because either he's telling the truth, he is the Lord, or he's lying, or he's a lunatic. That's what's in the, the book, more than a carpenter. Lord, liar, or lunatic. One of those choices is true. You can't say he's a good guy. You can't say it. Because, and, and not the son of God, because he said he was. So he's either crazy or a liar, or he really is who he said he is. So a lot of people are offended by Jesus, just like the hometown here was offended. That Jesus, if you, if you, if you preach the other Jesus in our culture, people are fine with it. But if you preach the biblical Jesus, the real Jesus, you're going to tick people off. You're going to offend people. And Jesus' hometown was offended in fact, the word there for offended that is used here in Mark is the Greek word that we get the word scandal from. It's the sc- Scandal. It means to stumble over him. They rejected him. Why? Why did they reject Jesus? This is wild. They thought they knew Jesus. They had grown up with Jesus. Right? They thought they knew him, but they didn't really know Jesus. They didn't realize his true power. They only thought they knew him. And there's many people, maybe even some here, and many people in our cult- country today, the USA today, they think they know Jesus, but they don't know him. They, they grew up with Jesus. They go to church. They heard the stories in Sunday school. They try to be good, but they don't know the real Jesus. The powerful jesus the saving jesus the life-changing jesus our country is i don't even know what the number is now over 80 percent claim to be christian and i don't think chuck here is here he's probably out ministering somewhere but chuck harrison we always have this talk with his his, when he's out on the streets witnessing he he says it's there's no way 80 percent of the people he talks to are christians in this culture Really, it's probably about five, he says five, I say seven, but we have that little theological difference. But uh, it's it's tiny that really know Jesus, that really understand who he is and have put their faith in him. Because so many grow up with Jesus, but they don't know him. It's almost like they've been inoculated with Jesus. they got just enough of Jesus to be inoculated. You know how you got the shots, so you don't get... Whatever, check and box, whatever. You get a little bit of it so you don't get the disease. A lot of people are inoculated to the gospel. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I already got that shot. I know I I know Jesus. But they never caught who he really was. And so Jesus now it's his turn to be amazed in verse four, it says Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do anything. Any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. <clears throat> now it's Jesus' turn to be amazed. They were amazed at the beginning. Now it's his turn to be amazed. And he quotes a proverb, a well-known proverb from this time, a prophet without honor. And most of you have heard that many, many times. He quoted it in Luke 4, too, on his first trip a year before. He quoted the same one just before they tried to throw him off the cliff. And he, then he turned invisible and walked through. But anyway, that's a whole other sermon. But this is so true. This whole prophet without honor in this whole town, I, I can attest to this. Uh, <laughs> sometimes when I, it gets really stressful here, and I, 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 I tend to daydream once in a while, and i 'll say "Oh, wouldn 't it be nice just to go back to the farm you know and uh, my dad split up the farm, giving us all a part of the farm and take my forty fifty acres and and build a little little house by the woods where I like to go and and uh, Take on a little country church where there's no problems, you know. And I thought, wouldn't that be nice to go back to where I grew up? You know, you know the country. You know, your childhood dreams. But it, it ain't happening anytime soon. First of all, I've been called to here to New Hope, which is not like my hometown, by the way. Uh, and for another thing, it's still snowing there, and Kim doesn't like snow. Uh, in fact, it's going to be snowing there for a long time. This. W- wicked winter that we've had here. If you move this winter to where I came from, they say, "What happened? We didn't get a winter this year. It's a pretty mild winter. We missed winter." That was it. Because this is like you know nothing. You know we, we cancel snow when there's two inches of you know here cancel school when there's two inches of snow. You know two inches, everybody stay home. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know it had to be over a foot before they'd even think about it. You know uh, twelve inches. Uh, no, nah, that's okay. Come to school, kids. Right? You know? So, so that's a. But also. Also, the main reason I'm not going back anytime soon is because I have not been gone long enough. There's still people that remember me. Uh, too many people still remember what Chucky was like when he was there. Now, I wasn't like the little doll Chucky, the evil doll. It wasn't that bad. But I but I had my moments. I had my moments. And this is what Jesus is talking about. They grow up with him, and they don't want anything to do with right? But... It says here, though, this is what's really crazy. So Jesus couldn't do many miracles there. Isn't that interesting? He couldn't do many miracles. And I thought, that doesn't, what is he talking about? So I, I looked over at the parallel passage. Always let scripture tell you what scripture means. I looked at the parallel passage in Matthew 13, 58. And it says there, he did not do many miracles. That's the key. He did not do many miracles there. It wasn't that he didn't have the power to do the miracles. His power is the same no matter where he is. But he chose not to do them. He did not. He chose not to do them in an atmosphere of unbelief. And that's what we see all over scripture. Unbelief, he doesn't preach, tell the whole truth. He tells a parable. Unbelief, he doesn't do the miracle. Unbelief, and it's the same today. Jesus can do anything in our lives. But our lack of faith often robs us of experiencing the blessings that he wants to do in our life. I'm going to just say that one more time. He can do anything in our life. But our lack of faith keeps us from experiencing, robs us from experiencing those blessings. And verse 6 says he was amazed by their lack of faith. Amazed by it. It's his turn to be amazed, but it's not a positive thing. Because faith is the key. He was amazed by their lack of faith. Faith is the key. Faith is the key to recognizing who Jesus is here and today. It's the faith is what is the key to recognizing who he is. And then once we recognize who he is, we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We say, God, I believe your son. Jesus is your one and only son. And I put I ask you to forgive the sin in my life, the wrong in my life. And I put my faith in him. My trust in Him. Until we recognize who He is through faith, we aren't going to put our trust in Him to save us, to make us a new person, to free us from sin and Satan and the world's attacks, which we were worshiping about this morning. It was beautiful. That, that's the key. And it's also, once we put our faith in Jesus, faith is the key to seeing Jesus Christ's power in our life. This passage has a lot to say to us today. It just, it's staggering, really. Many today... Know about Jesus Christ. Many know about Jesus, but don't know him personally. Many have been inoculated to the gospel. We many people have heard just enough to think they're okay or to have a false impression because they've gotten a lot of false teaching. They've they've heard about Jesus in these so-called churches where they preach. Half a Jesus, not the real Jesus. They preach half a Jesus—the good Jesus who goes around picking up children, petting them on the head, and you know, and blessing animals, you know, dogs and cats, and and uh, just that Jesus who just loves everybody. And and if someone's living in sin or under Satan's power or living, you know, a, a way that's destructive, he doesn't care. He's only mean to Pharisees once in a while. That's half a Jesus. That's the fake Jesus. That's what I call the Mister Potato Head Jesus. You know Mister Potato Head? have all you know, a lot of you don't have. Him. I got lots of in our house. Mister Potato Head, you can make him anything you want. You just take this potato head, and you can put eyes and nose, in, and if you don't want, you can mix and match him any way you want. And a lot of us do that with Jesus. We build our own Jesus, but it's not the real Jesus. And because of that, we don't realize his power in our life. Not just for salvation, but even as Christians, we don't realize his power in our life. Usually because we don't get to know him. How do we get to know Jesus? God's word. It is written. How many times did Jesus say it? It is written. It is written. It is written. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation. We don't come up with our... Jesus in our own mind, it came through revelation. And it was confirmed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the miracles and the resurrection of Christ and over and over again confirmed. Somebody didn't just have this dream and write down their thoughts and start a new religion. It was confirmed by power. And that's how we get to know Jesus. But the problem is if we don't Get into God's word and learn who he is and and, and put it into practice and wrestle with our faith. If we don't do that, we're not going to experience the Holy Spirit's power in our life. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, he says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Prophecies is God's word. Talking about God's word here. When we treat his word with contempt, we don't read it, we ignore it, we don't... Like use it in our life. We put out the spirit's fire. The spirit's fire is the power in our life, and that's what happens. We get cold faith because we're not living. In, we're not in the word. We're not living in the word. We're not living it out. We're not allowing His Spirit to flow. God's word is powerful. It's powerful. And we take it for granted in our society where there's Bibles everywhere and we could have it anytime we want. It's powerful. We forget that. In fact, I just saw a, an article in Open Door. Open Doors is a, a mission agency. It's a, a super one if you want to be part of a grade 8, you know, get their newsletters and stuff. Open Door Ministries, f- uh, Brother Andrew started it years ago. Listen to this. It says the year was 1981. A young man in China named Brother Lee... Had been praying for his own Bible every day for three years. Some of us probably haven't opened our own Bible in three years, but I'm not pointing fingers. One night, on a secluded beach in southern China, his prayers were answered. That night, Open Doors delivered one million Bibles by sea during a highly co- covert operation called Project Pearl. And Brother Lee was one of the recipients. He thanked God for answering his prayer for a Bible, and he committed his life to spread the gospel throughout China. Fifteen years later, a few open-door co-workers met up with Brother Lee and were amazed at what they had learned. Since that night, when he committed his life to spread the gospel... God had used him to develop a network of more than 400,000 believers that he had helped lead to Christ. All because of a single Bible. We have Bibles everywhere. And it's amazing how seldom we read them or, or treasure them or let them into our hearts and minds or share them. Share the truth of God's word. Look what the power of the gospel. One Bible, 400,000 believers. Amazing. I want to say something to the teenagers. Because I think this passage really has a lot to say to young people. It's vital. In the USA today, half of teenagers who grow up in a church leave. When they go to college, they drop their faith. They just disappear. And I see it here up and here. They go to college, they just jump off a cliff, spiritually. Now, Understand something. Wrestling with your faith is a good thing. For every age, but especially for teenagers. It's healthy. Having doubts is healthy. Because it causes us to go to the Word and really search for God's truth. Test it. I love it when someone says, I have doubts. I'm going to go to God's Word and really see for myself. I love it. I don't have to defend the Bible. The Bible will defend itself. It's powerful. It's God's word. It's, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and that's healthy. When when you, you have doubts and you search and you compare Christ with all the other imposters out there, and and and, and it's important because that's what makes your faith your own. It, it's no longer your parents' faith, but it's your faith once you wrestle through this. But what's deadly spiritually is when you get to college and your profs are all against christianity and the world is against it and and the flesh and temptations are all against it And you say well this is uh, i'm hearing all this other stuff i'm just going to reject it that's deadly don't let that happen take the word and and wrestle with it and the biggest key with with teens and for everybody but the biggest key for teens is really get to know jesus not the jesus in Sunday school although that's great, we do Sunday school. That's laying the foundation, but not the one, but the the real, the Jesus that you know personally, and his power personally, and you get to know that power personally by battling spiritually, by battling, by taking the word and battling the world, battling Satan, battling the flesh and the temptation. Battle. That's how you get it. When I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and teens would come up to me and say, ah, I just don't think I'm into this Christianity stuff anymore it's too boring then I had them when they said it's boring I said I got you now what you just told me is you've never tried to live it because if you had tried to live it if you'd come to me and said Christianity is just too hard there's too many spiritual battles I don't know if I'm going to up for this then you got my ear then we could have a talk but so you've come and say it's too boring you've never tried to live it because Christianity is not boring it's hard, it's brutal, it's, you know, it's a stretching time, it's a refining time, it's all kinds of things. But it's never boring, unless you don't try to live it. And it's, it's really important that, that, we, that we young people, that you and all of us come to understand the real Jesus and the power. The reason that so many people quit on Jesus Christ is because they grow up with Jesus. Many people, many young people grow up with Jesus, but they don't realize the power in their life. That's why youth group is vital. It's so important. That's why the mission trips are so important. Remember they come back from the mission trips all fired up, even the adults come fired up because that's when they really see the power in their life. That's why parents are so important. Parents, we we are so important. Doesn't mean we're not gonna have prodigals. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, but it does increase the chance that they'll come back. And they'll come back sooner. But parents are vital. Our faith is vital. That We have to make it real. As parents, let them see that it's real. Let them see us struggling. Let us share, share what we're going through spiritually. Let it be real. I, I know that helped me so much. I never went to youth group. Uh, Chucky didn't go to youth group. Uh, nobody ever discipled me. Um, they didn't see any potential in me. But my parents were real. They were real. They were real Christians. Not perfect, but real. How about us today? Is it for real? Are you a Christian? Are you really a Christian? Do you know Jesus really? Kim was listening to the radio this week, told me a story. Somebody was... it was on one of the Christian stations, and someone went to see the movie God's Not Dead. And you know, I know it's not the top-notch Hollywood movie, but, this, but there's an impact there. And, and someone was sharing on it that this a couple, a husband and wife, went to see the movie, and they get done with the movie, and everybody's leaving, and the wife's like, let's go. he's like, I can't get up. She's like, why? He goes, this movie made me realize I'm not really a Christian. It's not real in my life. And they ended up praying right there. Accept the christ is it real for you is he more than a carpenter to you more than a Sunday school story to you is he your lord or is he a liar or is he a lunatic you got to decide do you really know god john 17 3 says how to really know god it says now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's the only way. The one true God through his one son. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in the one and only son? Are you saved? By faith. And if we've been saved by faith, are we living by faith? How well do you know God through his son Jesus Christ? Are we in the word? Are we in the prayer? Are we are we realizing his power in our life? His transforming power. That's the key. If it's real, his transforming power. Are we saved by faith and are we living by faith? Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's a tricky thing. Just being saved by faith is a little easier to wrap our mind around than living by faith. Because a lot of times what we do is we, be, we put our faith in Jesus to save us, but then here on this earth, we start to, okay, now I'm a Christian. I'm going to really try to live it now. And we really try hard. And we fall on our face time after time after time. Why? Because we're really trying hard. Instead of living by faith. Instead of saying, God, I couldn't get to heaven without you. And I can't live on this earth without you. I can't overcome this temptation. I can't overcome this thought. I can't overcome this discouragement. I can't face this disease. I can't face death without trusting you and depending completely on you. I'll give you a picture. If you've been here long enough, you might have heard this years ago. But it's the first time I went water skiing. And I grew up on a farm, and so we didn't do much water skiing on the farm. We did a lot of lifting hay bales, but uh, so I was strong. I did a lot of sports. I was strong. I was a tough guy, you know, a farm boy. We thought all those city kids were wimps. We were right. So anyway, so the so my friends said we're going to take you. My city slicker friends said we're going to take you water skiing, and we went. They got on the boat. We went over and met at the Niagara River maybe a couple miles above the falls, five miles above the falls, there's a straight part of the Niagara River and we went water skiing, now I know most of you go water skiing on these nice smooth lakes, well we're on, from where we're from, you know winter all year, you know, this is the best we could do it was choppy and all that, but but we're going to go water skiing, and they showed us how to do it they're, you know, get a hold of rope, and you get pulled up and you start skiing, and I said, this looks easy I'm a farm boy, I'm strong, I'm an athlete you know, this is going to be easy and uh, I get out there, and I get a hold of the rope and they said, okay, now just hang on to the rope and let it pull you up, and I get the rope in. Between the two skis and and the and they take off and I come up and I got up and I pulled on the rope. Flat on my back. Right? Flat because you because I pulled on the rope. They said, stop. They came around, gave me the ropes again. Don't pull on the rope. Let just let the boat pull you up. You don't have to do anything. Just hold hold on, hold on. Don't do anything. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Now I'm a little embarrassed, right? So they came around, did it again, got up, and as soon as they got up, I'm like I gotta do something. I pulled on the rope. Flat on my back. This kept happening seven, eight, nine, ten times. I can't remember now, but the, they kept saying, we see the mist from the falls one more time. We're not putting you back in the boat. You're going over the falls. You know, we're getting closer and closer, right? And, and finally, I finally remember when I finally pulled me up, and I did, ah, 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 i was doing this because I kept thinking I had to do something. But all I had to do was what? Hold on. The boat did all the work. My only thing was to hold on. And, and that's the same thing for us as Christians. We become Christians, but Jesus pulls us up out of sin and out of the garbage and out of the, all the horrible things in our life. Pulls us up out of that mire and manure. And he pulls us up out, and we're out. We've put our trust in him. We're hanging on to the rope, And then we say, okay, now I'm going to keep myself up here. And we start to do it on ourselves because we're trying to be please God by doing all these good things and living this life but we're doing it on human effort and we fall flat on our face over and over over because we're not living by faith that same thing we did to get up out of the water out of the sin out of the garbage it's the same way we have to live every second of every day by faith i can't do it i can't do it i need you I can't love my kid. I can't be nice to my wife or husband. I can't do what the boss wants me to do. I can't even go to work today. I can't do it. I can't do this. I need you. I need your mercy and grace to do this. Are we living by faith? Let's pray. How's God speaking to us? Are we living by faith? What area of our life is the Holy Spirit convicting us of that we've been trying to do it ourselves instead of total dependence on Jesus Christ? And our prayer this morning is, God, I'm just going to hang on. I can't do this. I'm just going to hang on to you. Every day, every hour, every minute, every second. While we're praying and and talking to God about this, I want to talk to those who maybe have never put their faith in Jesus Christ. You can't start living by faith until you are saved by faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's only one way to have life forever and real life here on earth. And that's by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That rope is hanging there waiting for us to take hold of it. It's hanging off the cross of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sin to break the power of sin and death and Satan in our life. And that rope is hanging there. We have to take a hold of it by faith prayer of faith God forgive me for my sin for the garbage in my life I repent of it I turn away from it I give it up I put my I ask you to forgive me I put my faith in Jesus I'm going to follow you I give you my life forgiveness faith and following If you've prayed that prayer of faith Or if you're praying it now, I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you're here with a friend or family member. Tell them. Maybe tell me on the way out. If you're never here to tell, I'd love to talk to you. Tell me. Fill out the card in the bulletin or email, text. Let somebody know so that we can be excited for you and and encourage you in your brand new faith. Father, we go to worship now pray that your Holy Spirit would keep on moving and keep on speaking to us and keep on healing and pouring through us. And if there's someone we need to talk to for more encouragement, you would put them on our hearts or in our minds. I pray that what we heard this morning wouldn't just stop with this morning, but it would bear fruit, lasting fruit, transforming power in our life. pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.